Okay, I appreciate that very much. The choir did a great job. Let's give my hand again. I appreciate the work they did to uh, sing those songs uh, with such skill. Now, this, uh, this, this evening I'd like to uh, share a mess with, message with you. Uh, uh, the verses that I'm going to use are on the back of your bulletin. And I'd like you to just look at them as, and follow with me as I just uh, share with you about salvation is a gift. And if you notice on that, your bulletin, the highlighted verse is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, you know, today people are really not looking for truth. They're looking for cute in fact, I was reading, I like reading uh, greeting cards, and I was reading some Christmas cards, and uh, one of them I picked up, Christmas card I picked up, it was, was pretty revealing. It was uh, a little girl. It was about a little girl, and the little girl, uh, it gives the reason why she loves Jesus. And this is what it said on the card. It said, on Jesus' birthday... I get gifts. On, Jesus, on the day Jesus died, I get the gift of chocolates. And so that's what she concluded. And now she's not too far off in, in a very way. She did get the sense that I get gifts from God. And even though she kind of misinterpreted, her conclusions were wrong. But nonetheless, salvation is a gift. Everyone who has heard this particular passage of Scripture is immediately confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The argument leading up to this verse started really in Romans chapter 6 in verse number 20 listed on in the bulletin. It says, and when you were slaves of sin, you were freed in regard to righteousness. Have you ever did you ever think of yourself as being a slave to sin? You thought you were free, but really you're not free. In fact, if you go back one verse, the Apostle Paul begins to give reasons for paying attention to the exhortation he gives. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 19, it says, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. And of course, then it leads into verse 23, where the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So verse 23 sums up the by emphasizing the end to which two types of life lead. Accordingly, those who are listening understand that we are confronted with two courses a person may take in this world. A soul will either yield to sin, serve it, and earn its wages, or a soul will yield to God, receive his gift, and live. 
those are the only two courses that a person could possibly take in this world. This is sure from the passage that no soul can escape from sin. Sin has been inherited. It has been passed down to us from Adam. But if a soul, a soul knows, if a soul who knows the gospel cannot escape from sin, it is equally true that a soul cannot escape from the gift which is placed at their disposal in the gospel. In other words, God has placed at the disposal of really every soul the gift of eternal life. A person may ultimately escape from sin or grace, but not from both. A person can escape from sin by yielding to grace, meaning God's free gift, or that person can put himself outside the operation of grace by yielding, continuing to yield to sin. See, there are, there are no other options. Either a person lives in one realm or they live in the other realm. So, see, sin is the poison. And its antidote is God's grace. There is no other antidote. Only the grace of God can neutralize the poison of sin and its effects. So if grace does not neutralize the poison of sin and its, its effects, it will remain potent and deadly. Now Webster's Dictionary defines antidote as a remedy to counteract a poison or anything that works against an evil or an unwanted condition. In this case, the evil is sin, and the only thing that can work against is its potency is grace. And grace is God giving you something you do not deserve, neither can you earn it. That is the freeness of the gift that God gives. So there are only two possibilities facing every individual who comes into this world, and there are only two. Either your house is built on the sand or on a rock. Either you pass through the wide gate or the narrow gate. Either you take the broad road or the narrow road. Either you are in darkness or you are in light. Either you have taken your own way or have followed God's way. Either you are depending on your own righteousness or God's righteousness. In each case, you cannot have both. There are no shades in the spiritual realm. There is only black and white. But today, it's kind of a warning in Scripture. Whatever road you are on, in the end, will inevitably bring you to an an entirely different destination. And please, don't believe that all roads lead to heaven. Don't believe that all religions lead to the right conclusion. They do not. There is only one. So to understand further what I mean, let me examine at least two sets of three terms each right here in our passage. The first set is of 
the word wages, sin, and then death. And then the second set is the word gift, God, and eternal life. Also, if you take notice that these three terms stand over against each other, wage stands over against gift, sin stands over against God, and death stands over against eternal life. They're like two opposites. So every human being is confronted with two entirely different masters they could serve in this world, two entirely different conditions they can live in in this world, and then two entirely different destinations they may end up at when they leave this world. So in a sense, this is why Jesus came into the world, so we can get an understanding of what is the gospel and what am I to do with it and where do I stand before God? Those are all very important questions. But the first one I'd like to look at is there's two entirely, entirely different masters that you could serve. You can either serve sin or you can serve God. And if you look at our verse, our verse, verse in Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And then, of course, the free gift of God is eternal life. So the word sin, many people think of sin only as committing very evil crimes or making uh, a mistake or two. Sin is far more than just making a few mistakes or being slightly less than perfect. Sin is actually open rebellion against God's laws and God's authority as the divine king of the universe and as the God who created every one of us. We're responsible to him. So sin is really anything we do that displeases God or is a transgression of his law. Sin is a master to be obeyed. Now, if we think of that and we think of now the word God, The question is, who is the master we serve? Again, I would like to stress that there are only two possibilities, either sin or else it is God. Every person in the world at this moment is either a slave to their own sin or they are a slave to God. Now, remember, sin is a taskmaster. God is a good master. So either one that you're under, you will be a slave of that particular thing or person. So every person in the world at this moment is either a slave of sin or a slave of God. So you, my friend, are this day either serving sin or God. So the ultimate question is, Here is, whom are you serving? Who is your master today? I'm not asking how good you are or how moral you are or how much you give to good and noble causes. I am not, nor am I asking how good and nice people say you are. No, uh, the real significant questions are, who is your master? To whom are you a slave? 
for whom are you living your life? That is the question. A person may be nice, and they may be good in the eyes of men, and they may be noble, and yet still be in slavery to sin and Satan. In fact, right there in under our main verse there in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? And then notice what it says, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. So, so two of those things have two different end results based on who the person is serving. So remember, Whatever the person is or does, if that person does not do all to the glory of God, that person would be a slave to sin. So sin here is a willful choosing of what is wrong, a willful choosing of what is not God's way. So this is the first thing to ask yourself today. Whom are you submitting yourself as a slave? Are you submitting yourself to sin or are you submitting yourself to God? So you're going to have either one master being sin or your master being God himself. That leads me to the next thing. There's two entirely different conditions to live in based on that. And of course, again, we see in our passage in verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death And the free gift of God is eternal life. So we look at the word now, wages. What are wages? Well, wages are payments. They're compensations or earnings. A person, when they work, has a right to his wages. Wages are the equivalent of work. If a person works an eight-hour shift at a hamburger joint, for a wage of $8.50 an hour, then at the end of their shift, their wages would be around $65.20. That's gross before everybody else puts their hand in your pocket and takes it all away. All right? So his wages are said to be the equivalent of the work performed. So he or she has earned them. They don't, that person doesn't need to thank anybody for giving them their wages, they've earned it. They worked for those things, uh, and they, they made money because they worked to provide the wages. So if wages are payments for work, sin is the work that earns the payment. So if a person has as their master sin, then they earn wages for living in this condition. However, they have no choice in determining the wages. It has already been set. But what decides the wages for a person whose master is sin? Well, according to the word of God, it is the law. It's the law of God that determines the wage. The law is the record, it's the recorded word of God to Moses on Mount Sinai. We, of course, refer to it as the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments, remember, they were never meant to 
be kept in the sense no one really can keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, actually, the Ten Commandments were designed by God to reveal sin. In fact, it says right in Romans 5.20 on your, in, your, in your bulletin, the law came in so that the transgression or the sin would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So in other words, that law actually, trying to keep the law, actually exposes your heart to show you you can't keep it, and it magnifies our sin. It shows us we cannot meet God's standard. Another thing about the law is the law curses those who try to become right by it. In fact, in Romans 4.15, it says, For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no violation. So, see, the Bible tells us the sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. See, the law then decides that the wages be paid to the person who has been a slave of sin. And what are the wages, according to our text? It says the wages of sin is death. See, that is the wage. That's the payment that comes from someone living in the condition of sin. And the Bible even says in James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all of it. So if a person commits just one sin in their lifetime, in God's eyes, because the law is there, They are guilty as if they have broken every one of God's laws. And if we went through the whole Ten Commandments and we looked at them, we would have to realize that we have broken them. And therefore, because we've broken them, they were responsible for its judgment. Its judgment is upon us. And so that is important. So if we choose sin as our master, the law then determines the wages, the earnings, the compensation, and of course, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Now, thinking of that, the next word is very important. If I left you there, that would be a terrible message. But in Scripture, the Bible uses the word, it's contrasted against the word gift. See, gift, in fact, it says here, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. See, Gift here is an expression of divine grace emphasized by the word free gift. It's, the, the emphasis here is on the freedom of the gift. So what then is a free gift? Well, a free gift is something you cannot, it cannot be earned. That which no man can claim as his right. That which cannot be bought You can't offer God anything for this. It's free. And that which cannot be worked for, you cannot work for it. Or it would would be a wage and not a gift. So see, grace is that which God, is that very thing that God does for mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. Of course, a gift which mankind cannot earn, does not deserve, does not deserve it, and could never merit it. It is solely the result 
of God's goodness and God's grace. That grace is unmerited favor. It's kindness shown to someone who does not deserve any kindness at all. And someone who is a sinner really doesn't deserve any kindness because they've broken God's law. They said to God, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And so they have become, they have been disobedient. We've all been disobedient in that way. So see, it is a free gift of God to people who are utterly undeserving of it. Now you watch Olympic Games on TV and have observed a marathon race. The best runner, the best runners in the world compete in the race. They condition hard for years just for an opportunity to represent their country in the Olympics. And yet, only one runner would come away with the gold medal. The runner cannot have earned the gold medal without years of hard work and training. But you know, in a very real way, in our society, we are also conditioned we're conditioned to believe that we cannot get something for nothing, right? We're conditioned that way. So we think of spiritual things in the same way, and we apply the same logic. See, if I'm going to live with God in heaven forever, I will have to be the best person I can be in this life. So when I stand before God... I can hand him my gold medal of achievement, and certainly he will let me into heaven. See, we're conditioned to think that way. But the Bible has something to say about attempting to reach heaven this way. It says this in actually the Old Testament wisdom book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so man tries to achieve heaven through religion, through good works, through morality, through philosophy, through self-righteousness. See, working your way to heaven seems right. But God says it leads to death. The book of Romans in chapter 5, it says, so that in verse number 21 on in the bulletin, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the conditions in which a person has been living determines the end to which each lead. In other words, their destination. If you have been living with Sin as your master, you will end up in one place. And if you have been living, having received God's free gift, you will end up in another place. Both places are eternal. And the reason why they're eternal is because we're created in the image of God. And because we're created in the image of God, we can our soul cannot die. Our body goes to the grave but our soul cannot die. So it has to occupy an eternal place once we leave this world. So there's only two places the Bible tells us can occupy it. Uh, The soul can occupy either one place or the other. 
So, again, this leads me to the last point, and it's this. There are two entirely different destinations a person can arrive at. They can either arrive at eternal death, or they can arrive at eternal life. For, again, the passage, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. See, eternal death is something we have to really consider because it doesn't just mean physical death. It means when you move out of this world and you die and your body goes to the grave, your soul goes somewhere because it cannot die. And so there is an eternal death that can happen to the soul. See, sin pays its wages in full. And the wages paid to a person who has been a slave of sin is death. See, this passage is not merely referring to physical death we will all face, but it actually is referring to eternal separation and torment of all sinners, the torment that all sinners will face upon death in hell. So, see, hell is really the proper punishment for people's sins if they live in that sin and then they die in that sin the only thing god could do is judge them for their sins because they have no other judge to take their place so this refers to the second death in scripture this is the final and irreversible separation from god and from the face of god and from the life of god it means eternally outside of god's life with all the consequences, the consequent misery and suffering that go with it. So, in other words, bringing it all together, Jesus Christ frequently spoke of hell. Matter of fact, he spoke of hell more than he spoke of heaven in Scripture and warned people of the danger of going there. In fact, Scripture clearly tells us of the reality of hell and what it is like. It's the Lord himself who said in Matthew 13, the angels shall come forth, in verse 49, and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you see, part of the Christmas message is the message of also where to, what to avoid. See, hell is a furnace, the Bible says, of an unquenchable fire. It's a place of everlasting punishment where its victims are tormented in both their bodies and minds in accord with their sins and their sinful natures. Hell is a place where God's wrath is revealed as a terrifying, consuming fire, and men live with an unfulfilled lust and unfulfilled desires and torment forever and ever. It's, it's difficult to even imagine what eternal punishment will be like. See, men and women are often sick and with painful diseases on, this, on, on the earth where the duration of such conditions can seem like an eternity, but they will end someday. But in hell, the Word of God tells us that men will be burned with fire continually in punishment for their sins, with no rest day or night forever and ever. This is the lot of all people. That is 
what sinners earn for sinning. But see, the point of Scripture is you don't have to go there. The tragedy of all of this is not only the reality of hell as a punishment for our sins, but the fact that we are helpless to do anything about it. See, the Word of God says in Ephesians 2, 1, we, were, we are dead in trespasses and sins. We are not sick. We're not even on the brink of death. We are dead in our sins, the Bible says. For the Apostle Paul to say that we are dead in our sins is to say that we are totally unable to pull ourselves out of them. See, this rebellion to God's laws and authority is inescapable for all men. That is why it is also impossible for anyone to work their way toward reconciliation with God. See, the word of God again tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, here it, here it is again, it is a gift of God, not a result of works. And then it says, so, so no one should boast. If we're going to boast, let's boast in the Lord, not in what we've done, because we, we haven't done anything except rebelled against God. So how can you, being a slave to sin, set yourself free? How can you, being dead, give yourself life? You can't. But I know someone who can help you. I know someone who can help you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And that's what it says in our text. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So eternal life is put up against eternal death. Eternal life is God's gift. It's free. It cannot be earned. And the term eternal means unending. This is what eternal life means, sharing and enjoying the life of God for all eternity without the slightest suspicion of an admixture of sin and evil. See, this is what the real message of Christmas is all about, that we have eternal life the moment we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So it's all about Jesus. In Christ Jesus our Lord, the life of man means the existence of man as he ought to exist in union with God and consequently in holiness and purity and health and happiness. See, man, as God intended him to be, is man enjoying life, enjoying God, enjoying even knowing where they're going to go when they pass from this life. Man, as sin makes him, is man abiding in death, abiding in a hopelessness, abiding in, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't have the answers to the $64 trillion question. I don't know what's going to take place. The Bible clears that up. You can know that if you died, before you died from this world, where you can, you're going to go, you can know that. Not based on anything you could ever have done. 
but based on what Jesus Christ has already done and believing in his final work. See, Jesus' purpose in coming into the world is summed up nicely in the scripture, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. How did he accomplish his mission? In the person of Jesus Christ, God literally became a man and lived a perfect life of righteousness in obedience to his own laws. And on behalf of his children, he died in their place. The word of God says of Jesus that he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. So having perfectly obeyed the law and fulfilled all the righteousness and justice of God, Christ then willingly died for sinners and then paid the price for their sin that they should have paid. See, so when you believe in Jesus Christ alone and take his free gift, then you receive eternal life. So as we have seen, sin against God's law brings death as the punishment, both physical death and spiritual death. When Jesus died, he endured the wrath and the anger and the punishment of God for sins. He died as the sacrifice for sins, satisfying the requirements of divine justice and took upon himself the punishment due for sins. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For God also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. So is there any hope for those who have their master as sin? Yes, Christ. Not Christ and the church. Not Christ and good works. Not Christ and sincerity. Not Christ and giving up your sins. Not Christ and trying real hard. Not Christ and baptism. Not Christ and chastening. Not Christ and morality. Not Christ and a good family. Or some other thing we can add to the list. It's Christ, period. It's Jesus Christ alone that saves us. Anything else would be works, would be trying to earn wages. And the wages of sin is death. That's where it leads. But the free gift of God is eternal life. That's where that leads. So if you, including myself, a sinner, with nothing in your hand, do receive Jesus Christ alone and believe he died and rose for you, the Bible says eternal life is not the purchase of human merit, but is the free gift of the love of God. So do you see, this gift of eternal life that God offers is too precious to be bought. It's too full of God to be made by man. So will you come today if you have never received Jesus Christ? Will you come and receive this divine life as a gift in Christ Jesus? See, that's what you need to ask. Do you have eternal life? Have you received Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior? Because many people are trying to work their way to heaven. And uh, you just can't do it. 
because God's offered you something free. What you need to do, though, is take it and believe in Christ alone for eternal life. Believe in him. In fact, if you notice the last two verses on, in your bulletin, notice what it says there. It says, but thanks be to God, verse 16 and 17 of Romans 6, that through, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You see there? A person can become free from sin and become a slave to what? Righteousness. But that's the righteousness of God, God being a good master. And then in verse 22, the last verse, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification, being set apart to God, that's the word sanctification, and the outcome, eternal life. Isn't that what your outcome, you want your outcome to be eternal life? To know for sure that if you had died today, you would go to be with the Lord for all eternity. So see, you've got to tr- stop trying to offer a price and earn life. Instead, you need to come and receive Life as a free gift from God as he intended. See, this is the real message of the season. It's Jesus coming into the world to do something, to take care of something we could have never taken care of. So where do you stand tonight? That's my question. Do you know where you're really going? Are you sure about that? And have you come to the place where you turned from sin being your master to say, Lord, I want you to be my master. I want, I want to ask you for the free gift of eternal life. I want the free gift of eternal life, and I want to go on to live for you with all my heart, mind, soul, and all my strength. See, when you do that, uh, then you, get this, you will get the understanding from Scripture that this passage of Scripture will be uh, come alive to you, and you can know for sure, uh, without a doubt, that because of cr- what Christ has done, you can have eternal life right now. Let's pray. So, Lord, this this evening, as we celebrate you coming into the world, I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here this evening who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would come and confess you today with their mouth and believe in their their heart that you you were raised from the dead. And Lord, we know that when a sincere sinner comes to believe in you as their Lord and Savior and turn from their sin, you will no wise cast out a heart that really desires the gift because that's why you came. And I thank you, Lord, that you came for that reason. So I pray, Lord, those who do know you, I pray, Lord, this season we could again rejoice because you provided everything for us and that, Lord, it would cause us to be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving uh, to know that God put his heart upon me. He opened my eyes to understand the gospel and he even granted me faith and repentance to believe the truth and then to go on and live for him. I thank you for those who have already believed in you. Continue to bless their lives and continue to be alive in their life. I pray continue to give them an excitement of being a believer and a Christian. 
And I just pray, Lord, that those who have not trusted you would come and believe in you even tonight as their Lord and Savior. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.